Hello to everyone listening to the podcast today. Hope you've had a fantastic day. Welcome, all the ladies, all the gentlemen. Uh, now you're waffling. <laughs> <laughs> now you're waffling. Uh, there's a reason why I do it. Welcome, did everyone. We are all inclusive. <laughs> okay, you know what? Step aside, step aside. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Dre and Daz podcast. This is the podcast where we speak mostly football, but it could be about absolutely anything. anything. I'm your host, anything. <laughs> I'm your host, Daz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dre. Yeah, well, well, Daz just said my name, so there's no reason to introduce myself. You know? <laughs> I was giving you an opportunity to say hi to the listeners, you know. All right, think... let me let me introduce myself. My name's Dre. I might be the best looking guy you've seen. Exited <laughs> out on that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's I'm I, I'm gonna be hundred percent honest. Um, I am generally happy that you are in a good mood because I feel like over the past few days there's just been a lot of a lot of sadness kind of going around. Yeah, a lot of sadness. Huh? There's been a lot of deaths. I think uh, yesterday Gerard Houllier uh, passed away. Oh yeah, that was that was really sad. That was yeah. really sad. I see, I, was, I see, Carragher talking about it. Mm, I think when you compare them to other managers, yes, there's going to be a lot of managers who are more successful, had a greater impact on the clubs that they were at. But for him, he was at you know he managed Liverpool at a very special time. You know, we were still struggling with a few things. And he came in and he actually won five uh, five trophies in 12 months, I believe. Yeah. Do you know what? I, I think you should do like a little, um, should we say like a tribute where it's just like, like what was um, Julio's impact on Liverpool? Because sometimes people will say, oh, he never won the Prem, he just done the treble. What was that? Da, 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 da. Well, but I, think his, his, I think his main impact was the, the sort of players that he introduced into Liverpool Football Club, I think there's a uh, people like my well, this is kind of as I was like just born, but um, I believe he got players in like Michael Owen. Um, he was really coming to his own when Gerard uh, got him in. I think Stephen Gerard even came in round about that point. Yeah, uh, I think Robbie Fowler maybe. I remember a, a few players from your team. I think you had Owen Fowler, Gerard. You had Carragher. You had Hippier. Um, I think you might have had Dudek in goal. Um, maybe. I think you had Risa left back, or maybe that might have been just before. Can't remember who you had right back. The reason I the reason I, I remember this because I watched the season on Sky Sports. Yeah. Of your of your team. Um, okay. Yeah, and and I remember because you beat us in the FA Cup in two thousand three, and I'm pretty sure I he do was remember that one. Yeah, yep. and Owen. Michael Owen scored two goals. Yeah. In that game. Yeah. yeah. Nah, but it's very sad to see him go. And um, I think this year there's there's been a lot of surprise passings. I, I would say. Mm. Um, and not just in the footballing world, like Diego Maradona the other day. But um, just there's been a lot of rappers that have went. There's been a lot of actresses and actors that's went. Uh, since January till now. So um, I don't know. In I wanted to ask you a question. In these crazy times how do you deal with something like that how do you deal with death and defeat or kind of sad emotions Mm. i guess um it's hard answer that um i think you just have to try i don't want to say try and stay positive because anyone can say that um Sometimes it's not about being the best in the room at at what you do. It's not about waking up with the most energy. It's not about waking up and saying, I'm going to do all this today. And sometimes you may have the shittest day, but it's just about still being there, you know, waking up, doing it bit by bit every day. Um, like if you're following a passion or a dream, sometimes it's not about doing the best on that day. Obviously, that's the goal, but sometimes turning up is enough. Do you know what I mean? Being like getting out, like setting a goal to say, cool, I'm being for a tough time, not being mad harsh yourself because that's going to hold you back anyway. Just being able to make your bed, get outside and say, cool, I'm up for this day and try and take baby steps. 
you know what I mean? Especially if you've gone through something like someone passing in your life, you have to accept that you as a human, um, you had a certain level of, 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 of attachment to that person. And whether you, no matter how strong you think you are, you can definitely push through it. Some people are different than others, but if you feel that whelp in your heart, you have to be patient with yourself, be kind to yourself, and just take slow steps to getting over that because that slow process will lead to long-term you being better. If you if you cut out the process and mm. then, do you know what I mean? Well, it's interesting that you come up with that process because I think a lot of people know about the five stages of grief, which are like denial, anger, bargaining, depression, yeah. acceptance. And I feel like um, to allow yourself to go through that process kind of helps you to understand what's happening, why it's happening, and to kind of come to a place where you can start to accept bad things that's happened to you, even if in the moment it seems unbearable. But to be able to allow yourself to go through that dark patch in your life, you can finally see kind of like the light on the other end of the tunnel. Definitely. And um, it's, it's crazy because the other day I was listening to someone on YouTube and they were basically explaining how you kind of help children to learn how to cope with uh, passings. Uh, do, you know, do you know how they do it? How? So what they do is when, when parents have children, they like to give children pets to like, look after. And then they put a, all the responsibility of looking after that pet on them. So the child would see the pet um, grow, they would feed it, they'll comfort it, they'll spend a lot of time with it. And over time, they'll create this bond with a pet as if it was like a part of the family or a close friend. So when that pet dies, um, the child's still at a relatively young age, the child learns how to deal with that grief of a, wow. of a loved one. Right. Yeah, and it kind of helps them to be able to modulate their emotions so that when like significant people in their life dies, like a parent or a sibling or a friend, it doesn't make the pain any less, but it just helps them in order to understand how their emotions and how their mind works. So I think that's a that's a really interesting point that someone put forward. And I, I wouldn't have thought to do that to like a child. You know, let me give it a guinea pig so that <laughs> the guinea pig dies. Yeah. And my child learns how to get over it. But Yeah, it's mad. And it's actually crazy you say that. It's like sometimes like a death in someone's life can completely rattle it and shatter a lot of things for you. It's like... It's like, do you know what? I remember a couple of years ago when like I was going through certain things, and then I remember I was just on this thing. I was like, oh, this is da 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 da. I, I think everything was getting to me a lot, even little things. And I remember one of my guys said to me, and he was like, like, what, like, what are you gonna do in your life when someone passes? Mm. How are you gonna deal with that if you're getting this worked up over this? Do you know what I mean, and I, I really deep that I was like, what am I gonna do if someone did it? Did it? Did it? How am I actually gonna? Do you know what I mean? And it made me think, yeah. yeah, there's just there's certain things like you just have to, yeah, like, yeah. No, I understand. I understand. And then it's it's funny because um, it brings me back to the first time where I lost, where I lost someone. I think I was about, boy, how old was I? Fourteen years old, and my grandmother died, and like it. It didn't catch me off guard because I always knew that, you know, she had cancer and stuff. So I knew that her time was coming. But when it happened, I just didn't expect it. And then I remember all night I was just so heartbroken. But it's like after that, I kind of had to learn how to deal with that loss. And, you know, I had to live with the fact that my whole rhythm was broken because, like, every year I'll go to her house and it'll be a whole big thing. I'd be lying if I said that I was super, super close with her. I think the bigger effect it had on me was that it affected my mum more so, if that mm. makes sense. So it's like, if your mum's hurting, then you're going to hurt sort of thing. Or if you're not close with your mum, then if your dad's hurting or whoever your significant guardian is. And um, But I do feel like it's important for everyone when they're young to experience some sort of loss, as dark as that sounds, because it does help in the future. Like when people mm. go, you know, to deal with it. And that's one of the, the hardest things when someone passes. It's like, you're dealing with it, but how do you support everyone around you? Well, yeah, I mean? this is this is a tough thing because, what, do you put your arm around someone and say it's all going to be okay? Uh, yeah, it might be, but it's not re- what they really want to hear. I think 
it's the best way to support someone if someone's going through a loss or something is just to show them that you're ready for when they need you. Yeah. You can't force help because everyone deals with loss in completely different ways, but you just need to feel that support is near you. And I think that that's enough. Some people will cling on to you like a koala on a tree and some people will kind of just look at you and give you a head nod, you know, an acknowledgement to know that you're there and to say thank you. But being there for someone is very important because it can stop someone from going down a dark path and that could yeah. be down to self-hurt or substance abuse or even worse, suicide. So, Yeah, I think the best thing you can do is just to be there, really. Like, just be present. Like, I think sometimes the things that, that happen, we try and give a lot like, in regards to gifts or do things or make statements. But I think the best thing, from, from my experience, is the best thing you can do is just be there. Like, even if it's just watching a film or going on a walk or just offering your services, do you know what I mean? Just making making it known that you're there if need be. Mm. And it's funny how we, we're talking about being like a support bubble for people. What, how, maybe away from like people losing significant people in their lives, how, how would that change for when you're supporting someone through that is going through like a tough time in their life? It could be job, job, insecurity it could be i don't know self-harm it could be someone could be a victim of anything how what do you think is your responsibility as a friend or as a family member to react to that i think i think it obviously really depends on the situation but and it also really depends on the person um i think sometimes someone needs tough love sometimes they need arm put around their shoulder but only for a certain period of time um it's quite a complex it's complex yeah sorry yeah. It, was, it was kind of a loaded question to put on you. <laughs> I, I asked this because um for the past few months i've been me and a, a group of friends have been watching this series called 13 reasons and oh god yeah it's got it's got mixed reviews but like when I've been watching it, I feel like it's really opened my eyes to different ways in which people hurt and which ways they show it to people that people might not always realize. And it's a, for anyone who doesn't know what it is, it's a show about someone who committed suicide and they made 13 tapes to explain the 13 reasons why they committed suicide. And it relates to 13 different people that go to their school who had a direct influence on their decision to commit suicide. And you see the different stages where people bullied her or people just wasn't there to listen when she was kind of crying out for help and like someone actually like hurt her in a very specific way. So this show has really kind of changed the way that I look at people in the sense of everyone is going through their own stuff and their own things. And you never know like the, the, her, the person sitting next to you, what they've gone through is like uh, soft spoilers. I guess I'll give this out of context. They're talking about like rape survivors in an assembly at some point in the season. And a bunch of people, mostly women stood up. and was like, I'm a survivor, da, 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 da. And a few men stood up and the reaction from everyone was like, whoa, I'd never expect for that to happen to you. And the funny thing is, is that no one ever knows what someone goes through. And when you find out how to react to that might be really tough. Cause I wouldn't know how I'll react to it. Mm. I'd I'd like to think that I'll be there, you know, I'll be able to offer them some sort of advice that might help them or be able to refer them to someone. But naturality is really, really difficult to identify that in someone. Yeah, I think it's so it, it, it's so difficult. I, I could I could speak about that whole topic for a long time, but I think focusing specifically on what you were saying in regards to that show, I think um, with all of the kids, obviously, try not to spoil it. Obviously, Bryce is yeah, in, yeah. In, in the wrong and da 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 da. Like, that was disgusting. Oh, you've seen it? Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I've seen all of it, except the latest one. I haven't seen the season they just released. Yeah, I've um, seen the newest season. But I think when it comes to things like that, it's so. I can't blame the teenagers 
in that aspect. I'm not talking in regards because if people are listening to this, I'm not talking in regards to the show saying that someone like Bryce or whatever is 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 like that's that's cool. I'm just saying in regards to real life where there's not 13 tapes and stuff. <laughs> like, um, I don't want to like. I'm not blaming anyone. I'm just saying that it's a lot of it's a lot for you to say this kid should have this kid should have this kid because everyone's going through a development in their life and they're only kids and they're teenagers and the only thing they're thinking about is school home this that probably going through things themselves it's so hard for them to they're not trained counselors or teachers to realize when someone's going through mental health or give the perfect support do you know what i mean it's up yeah. to the to the parents to have a good enough relationship with their child to notice when something's wrong. And then and then even then sometimes you can't even notice it. It's such a complex issue. And then you can look at the teachers and say, duh, 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 duh. but this is what I'm saying. Like you gotta look at them more and say, could you? But and then it's, I still it's can't. So yeah, it's sorry to cut you, but it's it's so true because yeah, I think especially in it was either at the end of season one or I think it's season two without going to like what happened in the show it's it's very easy for the blame to go anywhere you can for for this like for the loss of life that happened it's like should the parents have known what the kid was going through should the counselors have been more supportive or should they have been able to identify like the signs of abuse let's just say or should the kids be held responsible and be more kind of like acceptable accepting of their responsibilities as as people and it's hard because i don't think there's a cut and dry answer to give i think you can only try the the hardest you can and again it goes back to that point of if you're in a position of power or position of responsibility then it's your kind of your responsibility to be as receptive to calls of help as possible Mm. but it, it touches on a lot of serious issues and if you haven't seen it yet i would recommend watching it it's out on netflix right now in the uk affecting reasons why so yeah yeah definitely bro yeah definitely but um on to a bit more of a light-hearted um topic or maybe not for dre mm-hmm. um <laughs> what, what's happened what's, what's happened with your club do you know what I feel like with Arsenal? I've already said most of it <laughs> in like in like the other one. Um, mm. We can we can touch on Arsenal, but um, I actually want to give me a taster of the game that just happened. That's all, just a little taster. Um, yeah, things like things for Arsenal are just they're not in a in a good place at the moment. Most definitely, I think. Yeah, things thing things are things are really bad. Yeah. Things are really bad. I've got no Re- relegation scrap. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, yeah. You can't you can't argue with that. We're nearer to the bottom. I mean, um, to be fair, Roy Keane does believe that you have enough to stay up, so that's all that matters. <laughs> Thank you, Keane. <laughs> <laughs> I just like, yeah, there isn't there isn't any excuse that I that I can give. There's I can't say that. Um, I can't prove anyone wrong saying that Arteta has to go. I want him to stay, but I can't prove you wrong if you said he's not a guy. I can't. I can't prove you right saying Aubameyang's this. I can't. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, this just mm. they 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 have to prove themselves. They really do. Like, if they're gonna sack the manager, sack the manager. Like, the the players and the club just have to pull their socks up and get the position they're in. I just I don't think there's any any more complaining you can do. We we fucked up. Shaka fucked up. I think, I, I think we was on on the way to winning that game. If Shaka didn't fuck up, um, and yeah, it's bad. It's really bad. There's no way you can excuse lose, losing to Burnley, who was in relegation zone. Do you know what I mean? Like, you, like if he wants to keep his job, he really just has to win a couple of games. If he gets sacked, I can't, I can't go against that. Do you know what yeah, I mean? But it seems to be a common theme of. Arsenal now for certain players to just have moments where they just lose concentration and it affects the whole team because it happened with Nicolas Pepe, it happened with Xhaka. Uh, I noticed that Arteta really went hard on Pepe when he made that mistake and rightly so because it cost you and your whole club like however many points it did. Uh, I didn't watch his press conference but I'll be interested to know if 
he was as strict on uh, on Jacker as he was. Nah, on yeah, nah, he wasn't. And people are trying to get on his back for that. For for me personally, I don't like when people comment on things that they don't know about behind the club. And I think as a coach, you have to try and look from the manager's perspective. Like people coach, pe- people are coached differently. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's Arteta's job to know the guys. Maybe Pepe responded better to that. I can't imagine a guy like Shaka responding well to that. He seems like a bit of a baby and throws his toys out of the pram. Mm. Do you know what I mean? He just seems like, oh, everyone hates me, fine. It's like when at a stadium, everyone hates me, fine. Fuck all of you then. Do you know what I mean? He just, yeah. like, you have to coach players differently, you know? Like, people were very easy to criticise Arteta for certain things or managers, but sometimes you have to look from the, for, look for, for the, for the perspective to see, okay, why has he done that? Why has he, why has he done this there and not done this? You have to, like, you have to try and think like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like people are saying that, oh, why does he keep on starting the same players then? People are acting like he's not watching every training session. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like you just have to trust the, the manager to make the best decision for, well, for the squad. And who else are you going to play? This this is one thing that I was thinking. Because um, I was listening to a lot of people who think Arteta should be in or Arteta should be out. And I guess <laughs> without me trying to just be like, oh yeah, Arteta should stay in because it's good for everyone else in the league. Uh, there are a lot of players that will be leaving Arsenal Football Club at the end of this year due to contracts yeah. or whatever. And then, you know, this is Arteta's full first, like first full year at the club. So it's a bit unfair to judge him when he, he hasn't been allowed to manage under normal circumstances. So on that basis alone, I would say that it will be very, very harsh for the club to sack him. Mad harsh. However, I do... I do agree with you and the other people that say Arteta out when they're like, Arsenal Football Club is a brand name, right? They're the third biggest club in English football. And they have a certain standard that they're known for that you can't or you shouldn't really be going below. And that identity is crucial to kind of Arsenal Football Club remaining at the stature that they're at. So when you're going through times where you're 15th and everything seems to be going against you. Pelé seems to be kind of throwing their pram, like toys out the pram and it's going wrong. You do have to look at like the problems in the squad and under Arteta, it's no lie. Your results have been worse. Your creativity has been a lot worse. I hear a lot of people always talking about why is he not bringing in Ozil? Da, 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 da. I remember when Ozil was playing in like the last stages of his Arsenal career, you of his playing shit. career. It was trash. He and was everyone shit. was begging for him to be taken out. Exactly. So I don't know why everyone's just looking for a reason to get at him, which I think is unfair. But... Bro, no one can ever come to me and say, well, how would you play Ozu? You dickhead, bruv. What are you talking about? Why like, why are we not playing Ozu? Bro, the guy was trash. Look, I'm going to drop some facts for you. Gone. For the, why aren't we playing Ozu, man? Okay. We're going to look at your... <laughs> We're going to look at your guy, Meza Ozil, bruv. When was my man tracking back? When we was getting done 6-3, 5-1, 6-0s, 3-0 away, getting beat by shitty teams, and people were saying the same type of shit. Oh, why doesn't Ozil track back? He's so lazy. Now he's not in the team. We're saying, why can't we have Ozil back, man? Where's Ozil? Where's Meza? Fuck off. <laughs> I guess you're not an Ozil fan then. <laughs> you know, but the thing is, yeah, I, I like Ozil, but he has to play in the right system. We don't have a good enough defence to have to have passengers. Mm. We we don't have a good enough defence to have passengers. Liverpool and City have a good enough team to have passengers. We fucking don't. Mm. We don't. This is why when people say, bro, some football fans are so dumb. When people watch Arsenal when they say, why aren't we playing four at four at the back? Man played four, four at the back. What happened, big man? Yeah. That's lost. why That's yes. why man was playing five at the back, because he sees what's happening in training. Man are like, why, why aren't we playing Saliba? Bro, look from the manager's perspective. Clearly something's happened. Why would he come in and just say, no, nah, this ain't playing? He's not Scrooge. He's not, he's, not, he's not some guy that just says, yeah, I want to fuck up Arsenal. People, people have this victim mentality where they're like, oh, He's trying to fuck us up. Why is he not playing a Bamiyang down the middle? Oh, look, we played a Bamiyang down the middle. He ain't scored a goal. Do you know what, I'm, sure. do you know so what I mean? His, his most clean, like his most like highest goal scoring years, he's been, left winger. he's been playing on the left. Yeah. Left winger. 
Do you know what I mean? And now people are just backtracking saying, oh, it's still not working. He needs to go. <laughs> My God, bruv. You, you need to look from different perspective to why things are fucked. The problem, the problem is, is that the blame has to be spread everywhere, right? You've got so many Deadwood players that Deadwood. year after year, they keep letting your managers down. I think there's still cool. about, what, seven or eight starting players? On Wenger. On Wenger's days. Bro. Uh, the management, okay, you have to look at the tactics. There are times where Arteta has got things wrong, where he should have made the sub and he hasn't made it, or he keeps playing. But every players. manager does that. Every manager does that at times. And you also have to look at the board, you have to look at the coaching, the physios. So the blame much. has to be spread everywhere. And the one thing I will say is, is that Arsenal has tried switching managers when things doesn't work. But you keep getting the same results. So clearly, let's not try take the manager out this time. Let's try take a lot of the players out. And we all know Arteta wants to Dig get out a them lot of players. Dig out but, the players. But you can't get out five, six, seven players at one time unless like everyone just runs out of their contracts at the same time by luck. Yeah, man. You know, it's not FIFA or football manager. So on that regard, I still do feel like Arteta needs time. The only thing I will say is, is that if you lot are in a relegation scrap by the time Christmas comes around, then maybe you do need a new manager to change yeah, he needs, up. He needs, he needs the players, some results. Yeah, because the, the fact of the matter is, is that a manager is there to instill sort of identity in the club and to bring in new players if required, but also to bring the best out of players that you've already got. And to be fair, I have seen better performances out of a lot of the players that are in your squad right now. Mm. You know, players like Bamiya, you know yeah. Lacazette. Even Jacker at the beginning of Arteta's reign was playing a lot better than he is now. So clearly something's changed. Something's changed. And you know what, yeah? I'm, I'm going to read something Arteta said today. And this is why Arteta is my guy, bro. You're going to hear me swearing a lot for this podcast. I'm passionate about this shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's my guy too. Don't worry about yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> man, man like Arteta came out today, yeah? And said, it's no time to hide. This is word for word. It's no time to hide. It's time to put your face and your body on the line. Man speaking like a fucking warrior. Look, we have to take the bullets. Bro, man's on the roadside. Man's <laughs> on the roadside. Man said, we oh have gosh. to take take the bullets. You have to put your chest out. Hit me. You have the right to hit me because I'm not winning. What? That's my manager. Try beef me. I don't even care. That's my guy. Man's losing and he's walking to everyone with his chest out saying, you, you and you fucking hit me. I don't care. I don't care. Man's here to ride for Arsenal and that's it. Man's here to ride for us. And we're, the thing is, we cry out for loyalty. How many guys have left us? We're like, why aren't you helping me? Why aren't you staying at the club, Van, Van Persie? Where are you going, Nazri? Man's saying, you know what? We're playing shit, but we need to take accountability. Accountability. Give me the criticism. And I respect that. Yeah. I respect it 100. Uh, honest question, though. What would have to go wrong for you to be Arteta out? And this is not me trying to make you have an agenda against him because I, I see both sides of the argument. But is there something that could actually happen that would make you be like, okay, maybe it is time to go? And not in like a hostile, oh yeah, I hate you way, but more like a, maybe, maybe the job was just a little bit too big for you. Um, when he gets the players he wants and if we're still shit. So from your perspective, he would still need to finish the season. Yeah, def- bro, the, the the biggest player he got party, he's been injured. It's true. Do you know what I mean? And he didn't even get all the players he wanted. And he's had to deal with Ozil, Socrates, two senior players in the dressing room chatting shit. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, like how someone runs the dressing room is actually a very difficult thing. I said this in a couple of podcasts ago with Solskjaer and Popper and all that. There's, there's a lot of things you have to deal with as a manager and not just how the players play. And this guy has, this guy here, yeah, mm. he's coming on his first job into an absolute pile of wank in Arsenal, yeah? Where yeah. we have a load of players that practically gave up on the last manager. There's, the, there's, um, there's a board that's not willing to invest as much as the other top clubs. And he somehow, somehow, bro, with, mm. with our defence, 
somehow managed to find a way to win the FA Cup, yeah, and finish what top six. Mm. Somehow, and yes, we've had That's a true. bad season, bro. Not this... eighth, in it. Uh, yeah, eighth, eighth. Sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but even now, yeah, we've had mm. a bad season. You have every right to question Arteta. If, if my man was sitting here now, he would say, "You're right. You're right. Question me." And that's what you should do. And now it's up to him and the team. But the thing is, I don't look at him and say, now it's down to you to prove yourself. He knows that he's taking accountability. But do you know, show the guys I do question. I don't see that from the players. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, it's true. It's true. I don't see that. Like, I don't see Orba coming out and saying, sorry, guys, we should have done better today. To be fair, when you lot made Aubameyang your captain, the first thing I said, like, like many other people, Arsenal fans are non-Arsenal fans. Will's like, ah, is Orba really a leader like that? He's not. He's like, not. You, sometimes it's not always your best player that needs to be the leader. Like, if you look at Liverpool, we've got a lot of very, very talented players. But it doesn't necessarily make them leader material. And I feel like, I know, I understand with everything that happened with Xhaka and the captaincy need to be stripped off him. But I don't know. It's like... Even when Aubameyang does his commercials and different announcements, he just looks so dejected from whatever he's yeah. doing. He, but. For me, he's just one of them guys who just want, he, he wants to play. He finds football fun. Do you know what I mean? He's not a gritty guy like that. I think the safest option, like I would love Tini to be captain. I'd love Gabriel to be captain. But I think the safest option he's been in a while is just give Leno the captaincy. That's, that, that's yeah. the safest option. Like It's like Tottenham with, 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 with Laurie. With yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just the safest option. He's he's like 29. He he, he probably can lead. He can give a team talk. But then Aubameyang can. He'll cuss you out. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> that's probably the safest yeah. option. But, yeah, like, that's my thing with Arsenal. We just need to stop all bitching and being like, oh, why aren't we? Bro, look, Arteta's here. He's clearly not, he's clearly not getting sacked. Obviously, if we lose, lose a couple more games, fine, sack him. But, mm. Okay, so you do feel like if Arsenal does drop their next few points or, like, loses the next few games, then that's a cause to maybe sack him. Bro, you know, if it, if it was me, even if he lost every game in December, I, w- I wouldn't sack him. I wouldn't because for me, it's a clear example. If they lost every, every game for me, that is the players not, not turning up for their manager. Mm. It is. Um, but I would understand if he needed to be sacked. Do you know what I mean? Because okay. obviously you can't, you can't have that. Like... I- Honest question then. Uh, your next four games in the Premier League alone is Southampton at home, Everton away, Chelsea at home, and Brighton away. Bro, the only what, thing... What would you expect from those four games? The only thing he can do, yeah, is go five at the back again, put all but on the left again. He needs to go FA Cup semi-final mode. Everyone park the bus, we're crap. He needs to look at every player in the face and say, you know what, we're just shit. We're just crap. Accept it. We're just going to park the bus, pass it to Orba, and do the same as we did last time until mm. we get new players. That's <laughs> it. That's all we need to do. Like, literally, put Lacquer in the middle, hold, hold up the ball, big man. Uh, Orba, take it from him. You're, do do whatever, bro. Mm. We're parking the bus. And that's all we can do. We need to accept we're crap. And we just need to do our thing, innit? No, no more four at the back. No more Bamiang in the middle. No more experimenting. Just five at the back. Part the bus again. Long balls, goals. Hold on to one nils and get out of there. That's it. That's, <laughs> Fair that's all we can do. That's all we can nah, do. I hear that. I hear but, that. Um, coming off of Arsenal, yeah. Yeah. Or more, or more general football news. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask you because it's very rare that we can talk about Liverpool. And not say, oh, they've been so amazing. We love Salah and Mane. They're the best in. Who's better? Do you know what I mean? I, I bet. <laughs> yeah. But we're going to, this time, they've drawn 1-1. Mm-hmm. This time, we're going to speak about, because obviously other teams have um, have dropped points. But why do you think this year, yeah, except from, except from injuries, mm-hmm. why have you not maintained the same form as you was previous? Where you was like clear ahead, now you're getting a couple more scrappy one ones. I watched the first half against Fulham and yep. Fulham dominated you, man. No, that's a fair question. It's a very, very fair question. Uh, I'll start by saying at home, we've kept the same momentum. I think we've won all of our home games, uh, unlike everyone else in the league. So that's still there. 
Um, but it's away from home that we've been struggling. I think this season we've won one game away from home, drawn four and lost one. And I feel like, apart from the fact that, okay, yeah, we're missing Van Dyke, we're missing Joe Gomez, we're missing a couple midfielders. I think the rhythm to the team has been spoiled a bit. Mm. I feel like, as much as I don't want to talk about injuries, it, with everyone being asked to, or certain players being asked to play in a certain way, I feel like we have to, with Fabinho playing at centre-back, and as, as good as reading the game as he is, and as defensively minded as he is, he's not a centre-back. And I feel like there's certain skills that are different from playing centre-back to playing DM. And with him dropping back, I feel like Liverpool's had to adapt their system to be more protective of our defence than usual. And we, we haven't been as fluid, we haven't been as expansive as we were last season with a home or away. It, it's affected us throughout the season. So I feel like with our creativity levels, we don't create as many clear-cut chances as we normally do. Now, when you have world-class players like Salah and Mane, and you have very good players like Jota and Bobby Firmino and stuff like that, they're, ab- they're still able to like kind of create half-chances or create goals from half-chances and that is the mark of world-class players. But we haven't even been able to create as many half uh, chances as usual. And I feel like, I don't know, just it, it just a spoiled rhythm has affected Liverpool. And I feel like it's a matter of time before they get back to their best. And I feel like everyone's form, bar maybe Spurs, has been affected by everything that's happening. So we're kind of fortunate that what we're still top of the table equal points. I think Spurs is above us by goal difference. But um, there's elements of people trying to figure us out, figure out the way we play, try to kind of really go at our defenders because the best way that teams have beaten Liverpool is when they haven't been fearful. They've taken it to us. And it's about like in the first season, the time where we got like 80... 97 points we had this fear factor about us we only lost one game that season that was against Manchester City because rightly so they have that belief in them that they can beat anyone and that year everyone seemed to be really fearful they were like nope they've got Van Dijk no point attacking oh if we attack too much then Salah and Mane they were just running behind us and scored then the following season though we technically did better with 98 points a lot more teams were going at us because they saw that Liverpool were not perfect because no team is perfect. And they had more of a confidence to attack us. And we saw a lot less games where Liverpool blew teams out of the water, like 4-0 or 3-0. And we actually won a lot of games 2-1s, 1-0s, sometimes a 3-1 or a 3-2. And then this season now, teams, especially with the fact that there's no or there's not a significant amount of home and away fans to have to deal with. Teams have been even more braver to express themselves in a way, which is why, like, when Fulham first came to the league, I think their first game was against Arsenal. Mm. Uh, and I, I believe you beat them, like, 2-0. Four something one. like that. 4-1. Gosh, my yeah. memories. But mm. I remember actually watching Everton, I was like, you know what? That, that, ever, that Fulham team, they play really, really nice football. They play with this confidence. They play... Like, they just pass it around, keep possession as best as they can. They move the ball quickly. And I think that's a, that's a key aspect that a lot of teams fail at. It's like, it's not about being extremely skillful. It's not about having extremely fast players. It's about moving the ball fast and what the opponents can react to it. And when I've been watching Fulham this season, they've always played nice football, even if the result hasn't gone their way. So when I was watching the game against Liverpool, I wasn't surprised. When they were taken to Liverpool, I wasn't. On, on, honestly, I wasn't surprised. Mm. And I feel like Liverpool are really lucky to come out with one point. Uh, we didn't really deserve anything out of that game. They dominated it. Liverpool, did Liverpool deserve to score or not? In When you're judging like open play and their performance, then no. If you ask me, was it a penalty? I mean, you've jumped, you've made your body larger by having your arm up. It, we've seen those given. You can't exactly argue against the penalty call. But we was lucky to get out, and I guess that's what separates the 
good teams from the great teams, the ability to still get something, even when you deserve nothing. And uh, that's the reason why I still think that Liverpool will win the league, or at least will be in the title run. But yeah, you're right. We're just, we're not performing to that, the highest level that we've kind of set our own bar at. But mm. no one is really this season. But yeah, I'm going to stop monologuing. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it was interesting to hear. Mm. But I don't know, but looking at all the other games that have just went through this weekend and the games that are about to happen this week, uh, you know, right now is the best time to do a, a score prediction for tomorrow. As of right now, Wolves have just beaten Spurs, uh, Spurs Chelsea 2-1, and currently Manchester City are beating West Brom 1-0 in the 38th minute. So I'm going to ask you about the games that are happening tomorrow. And I want to see what your take on them are. Okay. Uh, Arsenal Southampton. <laughs> uh, Arsenal two, <laughs> two, two 0 Arsenal. Nah, now you're waffling. Now give us your actual prediction. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think um, Arsenal will come out with a win. Okay. Now your actual prediction. <laughs> no, I generally think it'll be two 0 Arsenal. I generally well, think. It'll... Based on what evidence do you think Arsenal is going to come out with? What evidence do you think they'll score? <laughs> Arsenal are the underdogs. I think we're just going to hit them on the break. Hit them on... Okay, so Drake goes for 2-0 two, two Arsenal. I'm, I'm going to say... I'm going to say 3-1 Southampton. And the one goal you lot get is probably going to be a penalty. Okay. <laughs> Not to hate. Leeds versus Newcastle. Newcastle. 2-1. Okay. I like Newcastle. You like Newcastle. See, with Leeds, they, they love playing an open game. I think that's going to be the thing that kills... It's going to be the thing that allows people to like their football, but I think it's going to hinder them as well. Yeah. I'm going to go with a 3-2 Newcastle. Okay. Uh, Leicester versus Everton. See, for me, Everton has popped down significantly since the beginning of the season. They won I against cannot, um, Chelsea, though. I don't care. It, they got a they got a pen. It was one nil. I cannot wait for Leicester to pump three past seven. I'm going three 0 I'll say Everton two one. Nah, you're waffling, man. Everton two one. <laughs> Fulham Brighton. Um, Brighton's not doing that well. Fulham one uh, 0 mm. Okay, I'm gonna go Fulham two one. What? Fulham, Fulham, yeah, honestly, really? Fulham no, no. I just saw who's playing tomorrow. Is Liverpool Tottenham tomorrow? We'll we'll get to that. We'll get what? to that. What? <laughs> oh shit! I might be coming yours tomorrow. Then. Technically, we might we might not because of a tier three lockdown in London right oh, now. Oh yeah, I definitely won't be going to his. Hundred <laughs> percent not. We're responsible people. But uh, we'll talk about it after podcast. <laughs> but yeah, no, there was one thing that um. Thing said, Jurgen Klopp said about Fulham. He was like, Fulham plays beautiful football just like their manager. I think it was a really weird quote. I think he tried to say that Fulham's football is as nice as their manager looks. <laughs> no, but no, we're accepting of all types of people here. But <laughs> yeah, I think it was a quote on BBC Sports, so that gave me a chuckle. But yeah, to be fair, like the Fulham manager is quite, quite a handsome lad. <laughs> it's not bad. Let looking. me see. Um, let me see a picture. Have a look at his picture. Honestly, oh Scott is... Parker. Yeah, Scott Parker. He's not that bad looking. Nah, if... I think Arteta is the best looking manager. Uh, now, think... now you're hundred percent. He is though. No, 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 no. He is. He's definitely better looking than Scott Parker. Uh, what are you talking there, about? There's, there's back like in your manager. Arteta is like a model though. There's backing your manager and then there's backing well, your manager. You, so, so you're you're generally saying to me mm-hmm. that Scott Parker's a better looking man than Mikel Arteta. I think the way he uh just the way he dresses and the way he, he just looks sharp. <laughs> you're lying. If if you're telling me that he does not look sharp, yeah, on but a match, Arteta looks sharp. Waffling. No, Arteta looks like he's got way too much product in his hair, man. Is that so he looks sharp? Nah man, nah, nah, nah. He's done out here. All right, Liverpool, Tottenham Hotspur. Now, I'm going to tell you, Tottenham Hotspur are probably in better form than Liverpool, though they're on technically the same amount of points, but it is at Anfield. 
I'm going to be supporting Liverpool. I think I want Liverpool to win 2 0, but I think I think Tottenham will. I think Tottenham are going to smoke you, man. To be honest, I think it'll be. I think it'll be 2 1 to the Tottenham. Honestly, I think it's going to be a 2 2 game. No, I think Tottenham are better than you. <sighs> Mate, oh, all right. <laughs> There's not much I can really argue now. I think Harry Kane and Son are just on fire. But... Yeah, I think, and, and I think Jose's. Jose's uh, got his team. Jose's he's... got his team that he wanted. Jose is designed to the DNA in just ruining clubs' lives. That's all he does. He just ruins their lives. Whether no, it's the opposition or whether it's his own club, he just ruins clubs' lives. Mm. <laughs> but uh, in our last game, I guess that we'll be looking at West Ham versus Crystal Palace. Chris, oh, that's a good game. 2-2. 2 Oh, you know what? I forgot there's games on Thursday to also judge. Okay. Aston Villa, Burnley? Is, is Greenwich oh allowed gosh. to play? Maybe, sorry. Um... As of right now, West Brom West Brom has just equalised this one one. What against City? Yeah, that's bad, you know. <laughs> Sorry, that's but go on. Yeah, I think um, Greenwich might be allowed to play. Did you see I that? Didn't... All that. Oh, what what happened with Grealish? I don't know. Did you not know? Wait, what Wait. happened to him? I'm gonna send you a picture, and then I just want to see your reaction. Okay, we're doing a live reaction, people. I don't know what I'm going to see. I know he got banned from driving. Nah. Oh, yeah. He got banned for the driving thing, but this is... I just want... To, like, so a lot of people were talking about this on Twitter. So I'm, okay. I'm... But I, people, I don't have social media like that, so this is completely new to me. Yeah, so this happened like two weeks ago, and people will know two what weeks. I'm going to send you. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and this is a real picture. You're waffling. You're waffling. No, this actually happened. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. You know, you do you, Grealish. You do you. Um, People were coming up with some mad things. Bro. I mean, social distancing is a myth for some, but <laughs> clearly not for Grealish. <laughs> we're saying he's one of the band bro. That is, that is a dreary comment right there for the no, this is, I said people were saying that to her. I never said Oh, that. fair play, fair play. <laughs> I, I won't hold Dre to that, don't worry, people. But that but yeah. if that if that is not photoshopped and actually true. No, it's not actually happened. Grealish seems to be one of the happiest people. <laughs> Who's holding the camera? Who's holding the camera? <laughs> you know what? That's not what this podcast is about. This is PG, you know, for the well, 12A for the people. Next game, Sheffield United versus Manchester United. Now, granted, this is United away. Bruno seems to have a habit of doing bits away from her. 4 0, Man United. 4 0, raw. That's a mad team. That's a mad team still. I feel like, as much as I hate to back United, Sheffield United has struggled to score so much this season. And I don't see them. Then again, they say that there are certain teams where if you have bad form, you just show up against them. And it mm-hmm. seems to be that United and Arsenal are the two teams to do that to. So who knows hmm. what could happen? <laughs> who knows, bro? Who knows what this could happen? But um, Dre, do you have anything more to add before we go into our last segment of the podcast? Um. Fuck Tottenham. <laughs> yes, people, we have a very, very mature Arsenal fan in the chat today. Please. Fuck <laughs> Hurricane. Fuck Son. Fuck and... Wink. <laughs> fuck Loris. You know, hold this, hold this energy for the reverse fixture. For the reverse North London Derby. Fuck we'll Bell. <laughs> fuck Mourinho. And, and on that note, we were going to... Uh, Fuck oh. your bird on the ball as well. <laughs> I think it's a cockerel. <laughs> I think. Fuck the stadium. <laughs> Don't be jealous now. Don't be jealous. Fuck the kit. Fuck the sponsors. <laughs> hey, what happens if they want to sponsor the show? What are you going to do? What are you going to do then? Fuck them. <laughs> anyway, if I speak, I'm in trouble. Dre, what is your controversial opinion for this week? 
Shall I begin? Yeah, you can go. Uh, I feel like people want us to upload more consistently on this channel because we have been <laughs> slacking for the past two weeks. But if I speak, Dre will get me into trouble. <laughs> I think Dre should be pulling his way. But if I speak... Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. If you Whoa. knew, if you know the information we knew, <laughs> Whoa. Dre should be pulling his way for... <laughs> I've got no words. I've got no words. No words. Go on. I've got no words. I'm not even going to say anything. I'm not going to say nothing. I'm just saying, Jay, like, the people want consistency and you're just out here, you know, dealing out hot chocolates in them. You know what? People are actually going to believe this. I edit the videos. (laughs) I what cut out stuff. Spotify. It's Spotify. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I edit the audio and the videos. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one forcing Daz to be on it. <laughs> oh, yeah. To be fair, I am here against my will right now. <laughs> oh, you know what? Honestly, soon soon later, we are going to have to do a podcast of the origins, or like of the idea of the Drain podcast. Drain Daz yeah. podcast. So. When there's enough interest. When there is enough interest, yeah. So is that your controversial opinion? Yeah, Dre needs to pull his weight. <laughs> but if I speak, you know, Dre will just withhold my uh, my cut. <laughs> yeah. So my my controversial opinion. Um, first of all, I now say this every week because I'm pushing the narrative until it's solidified. So Dan's one of the best, one of the top five players of all time. Pushing that. Wow. Pushing that, pushing that narrative. I've said that every week and I'm going to keep saying that one of the top five players of all time. Um, but my controversial thing of the week. Um, I still think Omri's underrated. He is not underrated. He is he's viewed underrated. in England as one of the best footballers. That's nah. that's grace the Premier League. No, people disrespect him too much. Who disrespects him? Give me a list of people who disrespect him right now. These people that are comparing him to Kane and Shearer and all these man them like people don't get it. Don't get it. When you speak about guys like Henri, you're speaking about uh you're speaking about a complete footballer. Yeah. Do you know what no, I mean? No one's going to disagree with you. <laughs> this, this is how, how good Omri is, yeah? Go on. The other, the other day, I don't know what the stat was, but Messi joined Omri in the class of getting 2020 in a season. Assists. It's a very impressive feat. Messi just joined him. Just. Do you know, yeah, do you know what I mean? How, how many has Thierry Henry met Messi on? Like, do you know how no, many awards? No, you changed the whole conversation to, <laughs> to Henri to Messi. I'm not speaking about <laughs> Henri to Messi. I'm just speaking about this is why. And people always like, how can you not say Shearer or Kane or these guys? I'm speaking about a complete footballer. I'm not even just speaking about a striker. Mm. Like when these guys are getting 2020 and being able to play in all these different teams drag a dead-out team which had no other, barely any world-class players in it to a final in the Champions League. It's just different. Just different. Mm. And people were talking about Harry Kane comparisons now or saying, no. No way. Like, future, yes. Now, no. (laughs) Simple as. That's that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Like, do you know, do you know what? I actually think compared to the strikers we've had in the prem, Omri's actually head and shoulders over. He's not head and shoulders. Nah, honestly, because I, I think he he has enough quality where you can. It's arguable that he's the best, and it's also arguable that others are the best. You know, from that, what's we'll it? Head that, and shoulders. From that list, yeah, mm. of top ten strikers. If you do top ten prem strikers ever. Who else in there is the complete striker? Then not many. Not many. It's just what I'm saying. People are under... For me, I compare Henri to, to, to Brazilian Ronaldo. 
not Alan Shearer. No, no, no. I think just the other day, um, I think either FIFA or UEFA or whoever did their Ballon d'Or winners like their greatest eleven Ballon d'Or winners, and Ronaldo actually made it to their um, yeah, made but, it up front as the best centre forward of all time. No, but Omri's never won a Ballon d'Or. <laughs> That's unfortunate. But the I thing know, is, he should Michael, have won it. Michael Owen has. No, nah, but I would never. <laughs> do, you know, do you know with the with the Ballon d'Ors, the Ballon d'Ors are kind of stupid when they give it out. And you yeah, know it's stupid this, when an Arsenal player doesn't get it. No, nah, it's not because I did it. <laughs> if we're being real, Modric should have never won it. True. Um, second of all, the Ballon d'Or should have happened this year. I don't know why it's why it's cancelled. It's pretty stupid that it's been cancelled. Um, I don't think Michael Owen should have even won it. In 2003, there was loads more. No, so I think you know he won it in 2001. It's the same year that he won the the pseudo treble, as I call it. Yeah, still though, a player that wins the Europa League, fucking hell, bro. Nobody. No, but Europa League, League Cup, and FA Cup. It's, it's a pseudo treble, but it's a treble nonetheless. And I think yeah. he was like, one of the top goal scorers of that time. Yeah, that's my my opinion. People need to stop with the comparisons. Omri's Omri's one of the best players of all time. You lot are talking about Premier League greatest. Alan Shearer ain't one of the best players of all time. Do you know what I mean? Omri's in that. Like he's not in that conversation of being the best player, but he's he in is. But he's but, but but he's in that top fifty. <laughs> you know right, I mean? Fair enough. That, Shearer that's ain't your, in that top fifty. That's your controversial opinion, then. Yeah. I right, my last controversial opinion, my real one, I guess. Um, I feel like Messi's being childish. Oh. Honestly, like Ooh, right now, he's to hate on Messi. I don't honestly. I, I love Ronaldo, bro. I have arguments with my dad all the time, and I say that Messi is top two of the best players ever of all time. Top two. I put him over Maradona, I put him over Pele, I put him over Cruyff, I put him over uh, Ronaldo, uh, Brazilian Ronaldo. I put him over so many people. I love watching the guy play football. Memories of him is stained upon my mind, like millions of other people in the world. But I feel like right now, I understand why he wants to leave Barcelona. He looks at Barcelona and he doesn't see like the club's identity president, uh, present within that system anymore. I understand that. But I feel like as a professional, it's his responsibility to kind of get on with it and to still try to give his with his all and like lately whenever I see him on the pitch he just seems so dejected from the team it's kind of like when the team doesn't doesn't do well he kind of just looks around and I feel like it does hurt him I never ever want to claim that a player just doesn't care about their craft I think he does but I feel like he just feels burdened by his team like he shouldn't have to be there like it's being held against his will whereas I feel like the mentality of a of a a lion of a winner would be strong and be like, you know what? I'm still going to carry this team or give my all for this team, whether I want to be here or not. And I think that that's what separates Ronaldo from Messi. I also think, I also think people like Zlatan. Nope. I feel like people like Zlatan has the mentality of a winner. I don't even see Messi. How can you? Zlatan's mentality in Messi. What do you mean? Like mentality of a winner. Man's almost won everything. Yeah, when everything's going well for him, yeah, Messi's happy and he's doing, no, doing it's great. Not. Yeah, but things are not going his way, and he looks dejected on the pitch. But Barcelona were like crap when the like when um when Liverpool beat them, and he still got into the semis. They've been crap other times. Yeah, and Messi then still has just looked so. Vo- I don't want to say void of emotion, because it it bothered him, especially that Liverpool loss. It, he went out and he was like. He struggled to sleep for however long and so on and so forth. And I understand that they treat his friends kind of badly, with, especially with Suarez and the way they handled him. He isn't um, he isn't Ronaldo, though, where he's like... I know he's not Ronaldo. That's like, the point. He's not Ronaldo. <laughs> I know, but like, Ronaldo isn't him either. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's like, true. Different personalities, different they're just, characteristics. They're just different people. Like, Messi's, ne- Messi's never claimed to be the screaming leader. Ronaldo is claiming to no, but I don't. I don't feel like no. I'm not saying that he has to scream or he has to kind of shout at people to show some emotion. I'm just saying, I look at Messi when things are going wrong. 
and he looks dejected. He looks kind of disassociated with his own club. Like whenever they lose, it's kind of like Messi kind of expects it now, and he doesn't. He doesn't care anymore. You know? Yeah, but and, but it, and it, hurt, it hurts because I I feel like when Ronaldo finishes his career, he's gonna finish on a high. He's not the player that he once was, but he's still giving his all, even during the letdowns. He will still be kind of go. He's descending gracefully. Whereas with with Messi, I actually no, fear man. that. I fear that Messi's last years of football is gonna just be a. Meh. No, it's not. It's not. Do you know? Do you know what? Yeah, I, I, I think I think you're shifting the argument from is Messi being childish to. This is why Ronaldo is better than Messi. I'm no, no, no. This is, I'm not. Ba- I'm not comparing their quality on the pitch. I'm talking about their mentality and it's like. I feel like the way you look at Ronaldo when he finishes, and I don't mean finishing goals. I think when he finishes his career, he's gonna finish in a strong position. He's gonna be happy with everything that he's achieved. Whereas with Messi finishing his career, he looks like, you know, when something you hold onto that milk and it just, it just goes off. I feel like if Messi stays at Barcelona, maybe then he won't ruin his like his career or his look. It's just he's gonna finish his last few years like meh. But this is the thing, like could could you imagine being at a club from seventeen, winning them the Champions League three times, being the best player in their history, the top scorer, practically dragging them to certain things, and then the one thing you ask at thirty-three years old to leave when you've only got a certain amount of years left, and they say no. That's his fault. He should have fixed his contract. He knows no. exactly what's in his contract. No, things things happen. Things change. Messi, I don't know what, COVID? No, it's what just you... that like Messi would have signed that contract years ago. Messi wouldn't have expected to lose Iniesta Chavi and then not even be replaced for them to sell Suarez to Atletico. Well, I, I do, you know what? I do hope that at the end of this season, Messi gets the move that he wants. I hope he goes PSG. I, I hope he doesn't. As much as I don't want him to, I hope he goes see. No. Yeah, I think I feel like he'll go. Actually, then again, City's in a place of decline right now. I want him Maybe to go PSG. I want to see Neymar and, and him, bro. When he gets to the PSG yeah. team and you see him, but the thing is, this is the thing with Messi. If you're looking at him for for leadership, he's not. He's not that guy. I don't, I don't expect. I don't. I'm not expecting leadership qualities of him. Sorry, excuse me. I don't expect yeah. leadership qualities of him. I just expect him to. Look like he he wants to be there, and that he's given a hundred. That's all I want it. That's all I want from him. He just he looks like he's throwing a tantrum on the pitch. Like uh, that's a bit strong of a of a term. Yeah, but he just looks really like soppy. I do get it though. I do get it because Barcelona is in a crappy state, and there's a lot going on behind behind the scenes. There's rumors coming out about this player wanting to leave this player. They sold Suarez mm. and like and. And I never replaced them. They've they've got weaker as a squad when they lost eight two, or was mm. it eight eight one? I can't remember what the score was. Um, uh, eight one, I think. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, is he's he wants to go? Do you know what I mean, he wants. And like the thing is, when you get to that stage, he's thirty three. He's only got about three four years left. Ah, uh, well, you should be having like five six years left. He he will if he adapts well. If he yeah. adapts, yeah. The way Messi plays, he can play till forty. The way he plays, like him and Ronaldo adapting the game. Ronaldo probably like 38 just because he's a striker. Well, look at Zlatan, he's 39 and he's still going strong. Yeah, I think of Zlatan, he's just a big guy. <laughs> he's he's a well. beast. Mate. Yeah, he's a big guy. But then but... again, R- Ronaldo still has that. Ronaldo and Zlatan has that similar. Yeah, the way he of... looks after his body, he probably will be yeah. able to play And I yeah. think... With Messi, he doesn't even need to look after his body because he because he plays cam and he can pass the ball really well. But the thing is, though he can, it honestly feels like Messi feels that he could just retire tomorrow and he'll be fine with what he's done. Do I'm not saying though? he will, and I'm not saying that's his mentality, but I honestly could see M- Messi finishing football before Ronaldo does, and Messi's younger. I think if if Messi wins the next World Cup, he'll he'll retire. He ain't win the next World Cup. I think people will be surprised. I don't think Argentina had their chance to win. I want to be honest. I want Argentina to win this next World Cup because I want Messi to win it. Um, I don't think they. I don't think they will. But I think, I think you, the people that think they're finished. I think I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a Portugal Argentina final because Portugal are mad as well. See, I can Ronaldo see Portugal because they've, they've got yeah, 
because Portugal has quite a few ballers and then Ronaldo decides to just, since he was 30, he just scores a lot more goals internationally than what he did before 30. Yeah. So it is possible. But that is, you know, that's my controversial opinion. I think Messi's thrown a strop on the pitch, but if I speak, Dre yells at me. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I've I've really given Michael a controversial opinion. Yeah, you can. I think we've both given one serious one. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't really have any. Nah, that's fine. Um, and on that note, we thank you for listening into the Drain Daz podcast. We try to be here every week. We had a little bit of a disruption for the past week due to illnesses and other constraints. But uh. Coronavirus. <laughs> no, not coronavirus. <laughs> but, <laughs> but other illnesses that are catchable. <laughs> so, <laughs> Shit. We... <laughs> that sounds mad. It does. But yeah, we thank you for listening. No, I was going to say something. <laughs> thank you for listening and we hope to be back this time next week. This is Daz. This is Dre. And have a good night. Fuck Tottenham. See you later.